0: All right, welcome back to the Young Turks, Uh, we've got a great hour coming up for you guys. We've got uh, interviews right now and then uh, about the debate and then we're gonna do a post game that's a pre-game of the debate. Uh, Anna and John will join me for that, Uh, tyt.com slash join to become a member to get that. And then of course, we're all gonna watch the debate and after the debate, immediately after the debate, uh, or at uh, 8 o'clock Eastern, 11 o'clock, sorry, 8 o'clock Pacific, 11 o'clock Eastern, whichever one is first. Uh, Come here and we will analyze the debate for you guys. All right, uh, speaking of which, joining me now is Brianna Joy Gray. She is the National Press Secretary for Bernie Sanders. Brianna, great to have you back on The Young Turks.
1: It's good to be here.
0: All right, uh, momentous day, fascinating day. We've got a debate coming up in a couple of hours, uh, but a debate has sprung up already. uh, And it is uh, online and all over television. It is about Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. Now. I'm not going to start with Elizabeth Warren's comments, I'm gonna start with Megan McCain's. She said about Bernie Sanders, quote, he has a problem with women, he has for a long time. I don't want another misogynist as president, women in this country are sick of it, and I have always thought he has a problem with women. How do you respond?
1: I think this brand of attack has been circling around, people have been trying to make this stick for a really long time, since before this election cycle and certainly during it. We all remember the comments from certain MSNBC pundits talking about how Bernie Sanders makes my skin crawl and other kinds of kind of abstract things. And I think the reason why you're hearing a lot of that and this kind of desperation move it feels like to push this kind of narrative at this moment is because there's very little substantive to glom on to when it comes to a critique of Bernie Sanders. It's particularly difficult for them to make this kind of attack, given that Bernie Sanders has had more women donate to his campaign than anybody else in this race. And his record on women's issues is unimpeachable, even more so than many women who have thrown their hat in the electoral ring as of late. So I think what you're seeing is an effort to kind of use, um, let's say, uh, kind of uh, abstract, um, you know, um, non-specific critiques of him because talking about his actual record is a losing proposition for those who would like to diminish this campaign and the multiracial, working-class, um, predominantly female effort that is supporting it.
0: So, Brianna, you, you worked in media. You were former uh, contributing editor to Current Affairs, former senior politics editor at The Intercept. Um, I heard today off the record or on background, however you want to characterize it, so I'm not naming the person, that CNN and other media outlets had been working on this story for months. Mm -hmm. So I'll be honest, you know, I I, I do commentary on this show. My take on that was um, oh, so you'd been planning to call him a sexist for months. Uh, and just looking for the opportunity and an angle to do it. Um, am I being too cynical or I mean, has your experience on the campaign made you uh, a little bit more skeptical to say the least about the national media?
1: I mean, the the origins of my skepticism uh, I think really predate uh, joining this campaign, but look, I can't speak to. Um, Anything about how this rumor or this smear came about? What I do know is that we didn't need this smear to know that the effort to cast Bernie Sanders in a particular light—a light that is completely out of step with what his movement and his words have always represented—has um, been ongoing. But what has been really impressive to me is how quickly the women who constitute this campaign and who who are The people who are donating to this campaign and to our volunteer efforts push back online with I trust Bernie trending yesterday and women for Bernie trending today. I think that the idea that Bernie Sanders would have said the remarks that are alleged strains incredulity so that even some of our most um, intense detractors were defending Bernie Sanders yesterday because it just doesn't seem believable. I can't speak to where this message narrative came from, but it seems pretty clear that the timing of it is, um, shall we say, uh, suspicious. Um, and I would like to see as moving forward going into a really clean campaign where we're talking about the issues and not just the issues that are, um, uh, you know, dis- dis- can distinguish the two progressives in the race, but the issues that are really distinguishing Joe Biden, who continues to be the front runner um, and the biggest threat, I'd say, to progressive politics uh, in this race.
0: Well, I mean, it wasn't just predictable, I literally predicted it. I said <laughs> that if Bernie Sanders takes the lead, or once he takes the lead, that the national media will call him every name in the book, including sexist. It was exactly as predicted. In fact, at the very beginning, about a year ago, I said, they'll, if he is leading, they'll get so frenzied that they'll call him anti-Semitic, even though he's Jewish. And they did, and they did. Yeah. And so. Yeah,
1: I wouldn't be surprised if we heard some more of that going forward. You know, we recently did an episode of the campaign podcast, Hear the Burn, which, you know, I I host, in which we talked to our new Jewish outreach coordinator and also friend of the show, Katie Halper, about exactly that issue. And I think that it is a concern. But look, I think that what's really remarkable about this, his sticking power in 2016 and his even greater sticking power this time around, is that voters have gotten to know him. They know him as someone who is one of the most trusted people in Congress, who consistently rates highest in the field among people who are trusted on particular issues like Medicare for All, which are often the number one concern of voters. So if we're going to have a credibility discussion. I'm not sure that anybody really wants to take that fight to Bernie Sanders.
0: So how do you get past this? Because obviously, look, a lot of folks were disappointed that that the Warren campaign went in this direction, especially given how absurd it sounds that Bernie Sanders would say that a, a woman can't win when a woman had just beaten him in the primaries and had just won by three million votes. The popular vote, it seems outlandish. But
1: yeah, and the fact that we have Bernie Sanders on tape repeatedly since the 1980s, saying to young women. We need more women presidents, a woman can absolutely be president, naming off all of the women elected officials in 1988 to a a group of school children and and encouraging them to run for office themselves. And of course, notably encouraging Elizabeth Warren to run for office in 2016, offering her the opportunity to take up the mantle, which she declined to do. So it really does boggle the mind and, and strain belief.
0: So but, okay, now having said all that, how do we get past it? Because these are the two most progressive people in the race by a lot. <laughs> so if people think there's a distance between Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, yeah, there's a little bit of distance. Of course, you can see the uh, uh, sometimes slight, sometimes now growingly significant policy differences. But the difference between Elizabeth Warren and the next most progressive candidate is a much bigger gulf, okay? Uh, then you got the Buttigiegs and the Bidens that are. <laughs> Not even I don't believe they're moderate. I think they're conservative Democrats. Mm-hmm. And so, so how do you bridge the divide between Warren and Sanders and move on from
1: this? Well, first I say that the differences between Warren and Sanders are actually quite significant. If you take someone like myself, who went to law school and took out one hundred and eighty thousand dollars worth of debt. Um, the idea of a student loan plan that bottoms out at canceling $50,000 worth of debt maximum, and then will cancel even less than that as when you, if you earn more than $100,000 a year. That's not a student debt cancellation plan as it's been described in the media. That's a partial debt cancellation plan, and that can't really be compared to what Bernie Sanders is offering. No one else in the race has even touched the issue of canceling medical debt, right? Something that would only cost $81 billion. And there are people who have enthusiastically voted to expand Trump's war budget by 181 $1,000, but who have declined to even comment on the issue of why no one has st- stood up and stepped up and taken on the issue of how to cancel medical debt in this country. So these differences are huge for the people who are suffering from these issues. 500,000 uh, 500, people go bankrupt every year from medical debt. So those issues are real. But in terms of your question of moving forward, I think that both candidates are interested in talking about the issues tonight. And the Warren campaign has indicated that they're not looking for a fight tonight. Understandably since, again, I don't think that we want to have that her it's in the interest of her campaign to have a head-to-head credibility matchup with someone who is as trusted and respected and who has so much as as much integrity as Bernie Sanders does. So I think that after tonight you're actually going to see this issue die down. The only concern is whether the media and their kind of interest in having a, a cat fight of sorts is going to try to to try to keep it going. But what I would recommend for everyone who's interested in progressive politics who wants to keep their eye on the ball is to 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 hold the media accountable and keep the focus on contrast with some of the more moderate candidates, particularly Joe Biden, who still stands as a front runner here and is the biggest threat to a progressive actually getting into the White House.
0: Okay, so by the way, you said 181,000, you meant $181 billion extra that they gave Trump's defense department. no,
1: 81 billion, yes, 81 billion.
0: Yeah, so now speaking of the media and their coverage. What's your sense of the difference that the media has had in covering Bernie Sanders versus Pete Buttigieg?
1: I mean, we've all been really hyper aware of the extent to which there is not always a lot of um, grace extended to Bernie Sanders um, by the mainstream media. But what is really impressive in my view is the extent to which Bernie has been able to influence the public view by using other means at his disposal, including his streaming platform. Um, we have had more views, more people watching our streamed events than any other campaign by orders of magnitude. By using his Twitter platform, which is the largest among Democratic candidates, again by orders of magnitude, to disseminate some of the most wonderful well-wrought videos in this race by our amazing video team to have be the only campaign with the campaign um podcast that's able to get the message out straight to the people and also include the voices of the people that this campaign is representing and not just be living in a world of talking heads and I think that when you look at the fact that um, Bernie Sanders Joe Rogan interview for example got something like 8 million views within a few days and the average MSNBC day of news gets you know two to three million viewers you can see See that you can have an enormous amount of influence, even if the media is not on your side. Certainly, this is a bit of a cryptic example, but or a bit of a you know a cynical example. But Donald Trump managed to, of course, win this race without having the media on his side. So it's really important to acknowledge that the mainstream media doesn't always reflect the views of large swaths of the American public. And Bernie Sanders is being really astute at using the means at his disposal and his popularity and his online outreach to get to people directly.
0: Yeah, and that podcast, by the way, is Hear the Burn. It's on BernieSanders.com and also on his YouTube channel. And after AOC won, I had a couple of folks in the media ask me, well, you know, we got surprised on this, you guys didn't, so how did you know? And I said, well, small dollar donors is a great example of volunteers, and then some of the metrics that you laid out there in social media. They said, okay, right, we're gonna pay attention to that, and here we are, Bernie Sanders breaking every single record there's ever been on all three of those. And yet, I see articles in Politico about how small dollar donors are not a good indication of the country, big dollar donors are.
1: Yeah, look, You know, <laughs> some people like a surprise, lots of people like to be surprised. And I think people are gonna get, the skeptics who aren't paying enough attention are gonna get a nice big surprise. But I also want to give credit where credit's due. Over the last week or so, we have seen several articles that have acknowledged the fact that Bernie Sanders is poised to win, have acknowledged the fact that he is an incredibly electable candidate. I would say the most electable candidate because of the metrics that you just described. I mean, we're talking about 300,000 new donors in the last quarter, 40,000 new donors and and the last day of giving, right? This isn't the idea of, you know, some people. Some people say that Bernie supporters are some kind of cult, and they'll be with him no matter what. And these aren't people who are kind of thinking for themselves and paying attention. But when you see that number, that amount of new investment in the campaign from people who have never donated before at this stage in the race, what that shows is that this is a movement that is growing. And for people who aren't paying attention, well, you'll have a lot to write about in a few weeks.
0: Damn, I like it. All right, (laughs) Brianna Joy Gray, uh, National Press Secretary for Bernie Sanders, thank you for joining us. And you can see Brianna more or hear her more on Hear the Burn podcast. Thank you, we appreciate it. Thank you. All right, we're gonna take a quick break when we come back. Colby Hall from Mediate, I wanna get a media perspective on what's happening today. Not just this issue, but the debate at large and where we stand now with, yes, in fact, Bernie Sanders leading in Iowa, New Hampshire, and California. We'll be right back. All right, back on the Young Turks. Uh, joining me now is Colby Hall. He's the founding editor of Mediate. Uh, Colby, welcome back.
2: Hey, good to see you, Trent, Good to be back.
0: Yep. Uh, good to have you. All right, so uh, let's talk uh, about the current state of politics in media. So, uh, obviously, a big story today is um, Elizabeth Warren's team uh, saying that Bernie Sanders. Uh, apparently, in their telling of the story, said that a woman couldn't win in a private meeting with um, uh, Warren and Sanders. Now, Warren did back that up, saying yes, that's what happened. Uh, obviously, some folks are finding that a little hard to believe, uh, given the current political climate. That it, Not only that, that Bernie Sanders would say that, given his record, uh, and given the fact that he had just lost to a woman and a woman had just won the popular vote. Uh, but also because you would have to be politically moronic to say that to someone who is likely to be your opponent soon. Um, uh, anyways, um, but what I wanted to ask you about is the media coverage. Because uh, if you cover that story just by itself, without giving the context of Bernie Sanders' voting record and his history of talking about <clears throat> women's rights and fighting for women's rights, it might. Give a misleading picture of who Bernie Sanders is. If you you know if you've never heard of him, or if you haven't heard of his record in the past, I never heard of right. him. It seems less likely in this case. But if you don't know his voting record, don't know where he stands on the issues, you might think, oh, it's a 50-50 proposition of whether he's sexist. That's my take on it. Curious what your take on it is.
2: Well, you know, I I think we have to separate between media and journalism and. Sadly, journalism doesn't really exist in the way that it used to. It's primarily media. So when you would you, I think, rightfully criticize those who are sort of being unfair or only giving like sort of top line stories of what they've seen, they're not really journalists. They're aggregators, right? And you know, I launched media. I we mostly sort of answer the question, "What have you missed?" So like, we're not. We do uh, some journalism. We do a lot of original reporting, but we also aggregate a lot of stories. So when you hear, for example, Meghan McCain on the View. Uh, talking smack about Bernie Sanders and defending Elizabeth Warren, who's been on the view a bunch of times, or even anyone, you know, uh, MJ Lee at CNN, who broke this story, um, they're not necessarily doing the thing that is they're supposed to be doing. They're not holding themselves to the accepted journalistic, journalistic standards that are kind of this whole sort of story. Bernie, he said, "She said is kind of absurd, and I think the backlash towards Elizabeth Warren has now been sort of greater than what I think most people have foolishly claimed to be. I mean, even Morning Joe, uh, Joe Scarborough, said like this is you know he was incredulous. There's no way that Bernie Sanders, an elected senator who you know is a very savvy guy, would say something uh, you know so stupid. I do think also that um, Elizabeth Warren, to her defense, she's one of a handful of female senators, so her truth." Maybe that, yeah, she's heard a lot of stuff, and she heard it in a way that wasn't there could be there could be reasonable space between what Bernie intended to say and what she heard. But I really think that it all comes down to we're three weeks away from the caucus, Bernie and Elizabeth Bernie stuff in the polls, and Elizabeth Warren really wants his voters. And so, you know, it's politics. Uh, desperate times call for desperate measures. So that's. I think this is this is politics, and even though we don't want our, our favorite politicians, those who we believe with, to play politics, everyone plays politics, and uh, we'll see how it flushes out at the end.
0: Yeah, I, I do want to agree with one thing you said there. Um, that I, I really think that there could be a misunderstanding, and I'm not saying that to be Pollyannish. Uh, I, I, having run a company, I know that there are misunderstandings all the time. And if you don't get people together in right. a room, they right. mushroom out of control. So it's right. possible that he intended one thing and she interpreted another thing. It happens all the time in human behavior. So that's possible. But I wanna talk about the media's role here because you know I heard today, and it's just on background and you know, so I can't vouch for its complete authenticity, but that, that CNN had been working on that story for months. Uh, which then makes me wonder: Were they desirous of that story, um, of that to be true, um, and uh, and so, um, and and then that leads to the question, Colby, of the media's role overall. Because I'll tell you right now: I said on air that they would call uh, Bernie Sanders a sexist and every other name in the book. If he were to take the lead in the polls. Here we are, three weeks out. He has taken the lead in the polls, (laughs) exactly as predicted. The media has done what I said they would do, not afterwards, but I said it ahead of time. In fact, a year ago, I said they'd get so crazed that they would call him an anti Semite, and they've also called him an anti Semite, even though he's Jewish. So did I get lucky, or is
2: there a pattern here in the media? You got lucky. You're not that smart. (laughs) um, Jokes aside, jokes aside, um, you know, I, I think that's fairly astute analysis. I think that that's a fairly easy thing to predict, that, you know, uh, the wind always blows harder at the top of the totem pole. So if, uh, you know, Bernie's lead of the polls, I mean, he's going to get the most critique. Uh, of course, there are sort of institutional biases. You know, uh, you know, I think a good friend of mine pointed out how sort of Pete Buttigieg is sort of the establishment support of corporate media. And Bernie is kind of the classic sort of internet supported kind of organic, disintermediated dis- so, uh, support. Um said i think you know i've written about this extensively in a bunch of columns that um the biggest bias that the media has generally is that of conflict right so uh it's not necessarily an ideological uh bias it's one that is you know where where's the bleeding that will lead so to speak um where can we find the fight and this sort of fell in their lap and as i said you know Bernie and Elizabeth Warren both are fighting, you know, Bernie's got 20% of Iowa poll, uh most recent Des Moines uh, registered poll. Uh, Elizabeth Warren I think is at 18%. You know, they're cannibalizing each other and if 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 one of them were to get the other that would be, you know, stunning. That would be 38% of the vote basically. Um but I will say that you know I think we're in this weird space where you know journalists are so eager to report on something that they've heard. Uh, MJ Lee reported this uh, for CNN, and to their credit, uh, just before, like at seven o'clock hour, Erin Burnett on CNN revealed and sort of admitted that uh, she reported this basically purely from Elizabeth Warren's take. Now, is that sourced, or are we? Can we really source someone's opinion? No. Um, But they sort of admitted that they just sort of like went with Elizabeth Warren's kind of like, I wouldn't say propaganda, but her feelings. And in a postmodern world, uh, feelings are news. And uh, again, I I, I don't know if, uh, I I think this was a short-term punch spike of news for Elizabeth Warren, but I think as more news comes out, People that are like saying this, uh, and it's—I it, I wouldn't. So, me if this doesn't end up being a net benefit for Bernie, for all the reasons we just discussed.
0: Yeah, and, and look, to be fair to Elizabeth Warren, I, I don't. I think it's probably more than just her feelings. She thought she heard Bernie Sanders say that, and so that's. Uh, but I think.
2: I think of the Washington Post. The Washington Post said. I think it was the Washington Post that reported that, uh, according to two sources that were apparently aware of that, uh, that uh, what it was that he said is that he thought. That Trump would play dirty against a female candidate, uh, which he certainly did, and that was likely interpreted as you know a woman couldn't win. Again, at this point, we're splitting hairs between two you know sort of admirable sort of civil servants who whose hearts are in the right place. Like this is not, you know, this is where we sort of like uh, you know people sort of eat their own, right? Um, but uh, you know, the media coverage isn't necessarily they're not going in depth about this. They're just doing surface level. He said, she said. Which
0: has sort of led us to the
2: milieu that we're in. Yeah. I actually want to ask you about that. We're not really looking into that. Sure.
0: Yeah, I actually want to ask you about that. I think the right way to, to report, especially if you're one of the bigger organizations, would be to give the voting record of Bernie Sanders and the voting record of Elizabeth Warren on women's rights and what they have said and what they have fought for throughout their history. That would be great context for this story. But we almost never get that, and it's deeply frustrating. But I want to pick up on uh, on something you said a little bit uh, ago, because I think it's really interesting. In a sense, the uh, this campaign is uh, is also um, a contest between the internet and mainstream media. Uh, if if Bernie Sanders wins, it appears that the internet is stronger than mainstream media. Right. Whereas if right. the mainstream media continues to attack him, which they've done. As long as he's ever been on the national stage, and takes him down and puts up someone like Buttigieg, which they've had, honestly, in my opinion, a love affair with, and have not well, been very critical of, then then the corporate media wins. What's your take on on that battle?
2: Well, I mean, I think you summed up what I said so brilliantly. But you know, Buttigieg has been sort of the the new fresh face, a new story you know, he will get to a point where if in fact he gets, you know, sort of brought up to like the highest level, he'll eventually be brought down. Like he's, he's in that sort of like, uh, you know, the hero narrative arc that is, you know, still on the upgrade. Um, and I think Bernie suffers a little bit with the media relationship in that, you know, and this is unfair to him, but the story isn't necessarily new. Like he did get decent coverage in 2016, probably Everyone sort of took him for granted, and then later realized like, oh my god he 's got uh, sort of uh, grassroots support that that we 've never really seen before, but now in two thousand and twenty we 've already told that story, and you know the news editors, people that run newsrooms all are wildly distractible, right there's everyone suffers from ADhD and so Bernie 's not necessarily a new story, which is isn 't serving him, nor is it serving their audience well um Uh, And, you know, I I, I do think that corporate media, like people are lazy. They look for the things that sort of will keep status quo and keep, you know, I've said this a million times privately, but cable news is funded entirely by, not entirely, but a great portion of uh, advertisements on cable news are by big pharma. You see so many sort of pharmaceutical ads that all come from the current state of healthcare, right? So why would anyone in the cable news business who's making a ton of money off that? want to support or elect an individual that would jeopardize this sort of, you know, goose that laid the golden egg that is big pharma. So, uh, you know, there is are some inherent sort of biases. It's just self-preservation to do that. And, you know, the whole digital revolution, democratization of of media that is the Internet right now, um, I think we're still in like the second or third inning of this. I don't think, you know, like I think the cataclysmic sort of Epochal change is still super duper early. Um, And how, like, inevitably, it will be the internet candidates that will sort of run roughshod over the corporate candidates. Is that 2020? Is it 2024? More likely. Like, I think that's the inevitability of all this. And as you see, I mean, the success of Young Turks is an example where more and more people are cord cutting. They're getting their news and their information from sites like yourself or conservative sites that compete, say the daily wire and are not tuning into Fox News, CNN, MSNBC. And as long as there's a the responsibility of the of the coverage and there's a sort of a, a commitment to smarts and in you know good information uh, as relative as that could be, I think we'll be better off. I'm not sure everyone is. I think that there are people that are doing sort of misinformation uh, by design, willful misinformation, uh, especially with corporate uh, uh, media. But you know, if it came down to Mayor Pete versus Bernie, I, I think that the, even the corporate media would sort of like eventually go all in with a more established candidate, which in this case would be Bernie. So it'll be interesting. I don't think hmm. we'll get to that. I think it's really just sort of a Joe Biden versus Bernie thing at this point. But uh, you know, we'll see. The caucus is in three weeks, and there's a lot of green. There's a lot left to play.
0: Yeah, so I agreed with 90% of what you said until you said they'd go in for Bernie. <laughs> that seems but an- <laughs> Unbelievable. And and I don't remember Bernie getting the hero arc back in 2015, 2016 as he closed the sixty point lead. It was it was
2: a mini, <laughs> it was a mini hero arc. <laughs> a be really fair. mini. <laughs> microscopic. Sorry, there you go. There
0: go. <laughs> All right. Colby Hall from Media. Thank you for joining us. Really appreciate it.
2: Cenk, it's always great to be here. Thanks for
0: having me. All right, thank you. All right, guys, we're gonna take a quick break. For all the members, we're gonna come back to a, a discussion of debate that's coming up. So like I told you guys, we've got about half an hour of that for all the members, tyt.com slash join to get that. And then everybody watch the debate, and then come right after the debate to back to tyt.com, and we'll have immediate
2: analysis for you guys. We'll be right back.